It's September the 4th, 2019, and this is 508, a show about Worcester. I'm Mike Benedetti. This is Brendan Mellican. Hi, Brendan. How's it going, brother? Good. And this is today's guest, Hermoyne O'Connor, Worcester School Committee challenger. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing good. How's the election been treating you so far? It's going very well. Everyone is very receptive. Everyone's so positive and upbeat. And, uh, you know, people come to me with questions and concerns. They just come right up to you and ask you what are you going to do? How are you going to help us? I'm glad it's been going good. I'm glad it's been going good. So here, I want to ask you the same questions and concerns that we've asked everybody every week as we've been interviewing them for this race. First question is, why are you running? Um, because of the concerns that I've heard over, you know, around the city about children not receiving the services that they need, children not being treated properly, um, educators not knowing how to handle certain situations, and as a result of that, children are being put out of school and sent to um, mental health facilities without really being assessed. You're talking about about discipline kind of issues? Well, it can be, can be discipline, but it also could be just a child acting out because of their mental health issues, which the teachers aren't aware of, or the administrators sometimes. So I've heard those horror stories, and... It just concerned me. As a past educator, mm-hmm. I don't want them to think that is the way the school system should be. So I'm running to let them know, to show them this is the proper way to do it. And as a school committee person, we can put policies and procedure in place to make sure that teachers know and administrators know the proper way to handle students with mental disorders. How have you, how have you been active in public life in Worcester up until this election? I haven't. This is my first time. Um, in, in the past, I've always watched from the background. I have never been involved before. Uh, but you said you were an educator previously? Yes. I, I was a Worcester Public School teacher. Oh, no kidding. Where did yes. you teach? I taught at Grafton Street. I taught at Chandler Elementary. I taught at Adams Street. Mm-hmm. I taught at um, you know, all the schools around the city because at first you start out as a long-term sub, so you get to go a lot of different places and experience a lot of different families. Mm. Where did you go to school? Worcester State University. Okay. And where did you go to Cambridge College. Okay. And where, how about for like high school and stuff like that? I, I was, I'm a native of North Carolina. Okay. So all my high school experience and my elementary experience has been in North Carolina. Huh? Yeah. Um, so let me, let me start asking some policy questions Mm -hmm. here. By, by all accounts, Worcester is own, owed a huge amount of money by the state. The Worcester Public Schools are. Um, what would you like to see done to resolve this? What would make you feel like it was resolved? Well, I, the first thing that they're doing is getting uh, a lawyer. I think that is a good idea. That way we can get started on a procedure of <laughs> the governor giving us the money. Yeah. Um, because we deserve the money and we need the money to meet the needs of our students. Mm-hmm. So um, if they... That process, I think that'll get the fire under him, letting him know that we mean what we say and you need to move forward. What's important for people to know about academic outcomes in our schools? Um, I think it's important for them to know that um, some of the academic outcomes don't really reflect the students as to who they really are and what they're capable of doing sometimes because we have to give an account that we have... um, ELL students, well, students that are second language learners, okay. that sometimes just cannot meet the academic standard at that time. And they, ha- they haven't been given the um, time frame 
that they need in order to reach those skills. And as a result of that, you see it in the testing, you see it in the scores, because they're just not capable of reaching the academic skills that are needed at the well, time. But given but given time, those kids are going to get definitely because that, I mean that's what they say. <laughs> that's what statistics say. It takes five to seven years for them to be competent in English, okay. but we're testing them as soon as they come into the country. Mm-hmm. We're giving them all kinds of um, tasks to do that they're not capable of doing, and it reflects on the um, testing all mm-hmm. the time. Brandon? I've been speaking English for 43 years, and I'm still barely competent uh, in terms of most grammar and punctuation, so, so I would you agree. you can sympathize with what they're going <laughs> I with. certainly can. I can. My, my English is going great. I'm, I'm totally cool with it. Um, what's a, what, you, you were mentioning discipline before. What's important for people to know about discipline in our schools? They need to understand that sometimes discipline is handled, um, mishandled because of what I just said. Sometimes they just don't know what to do with the child. Yeah. Because they don't get all the information. Children come into your classroom and you don't know that this child has an IEP sometimes. Okay. So that's a problem. You don't know that this child has a mental disorder. So that's a major problem. Yeah. And as a result of that, you, you're giving this child the same discipline that you give everybody else. But that isn't going to work. Because Johnny needs a different type of discipline. Yeah. We need different things in place for Johnny. We need more mental health services, more people involved, parents' involvement to let you know, my child does this. You know, More conferencing with parents and finding out who you have in your classroom yeah. and how to adequately deal with that child's needs. How, how, do, how are those kinds of issues, how did you find those kinds of issues when you were teaching? I found them to be very frustrating yeah. because it was no one there to really support you. Um, everyone, uh, even when you went to a principal, sometimes you could get all the information, but most of the time it was a lot hid from teachers. Mm. And teachers need to know all the information in order to make the right decision for their cl- for the students in their classroom. Huh. Huh. Um, what do you think about sex education? Uh, <laughs> I don't think it should be sex education, number one. Okay. Um, they have um, in place, um, well, they could have in place, uh, the comprehensive health curriculum okay. frameworks, they could use that. And I think that would be ideal because it covers a lot of things. It covers everything that we need for our students. It covers um, child growth and development. How many teen parents do we have in the schools? That would allow those parents to be able to be the best parent that they can be. Yeah. It covers um, how nutrition, uh, exercise, physical, mental so if we use this, which supposedly we should have been using since 1999, and when I was in the classroom, I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. I was very, very surprised to see that we have a health education frameworks that is not being utilized, which would be very, very good for our students. It covers all the aspects that we need. But it doesn't cover, you said it doesn't cover sex? Well, it talks about uh, sex, but it talks about it in um, a way where it talks about body parts. You know, and that's basically what you need to know, the body parts. But the sex education part of it, it doesn't have it. Okay. It does talk about the law, you know, that you can talk about, um, you know, having different kind of, um, you know, birth control and things of that nature. And I think that might be why they haven't used it, because some of the um, information is controversial. Okay. Like, like you mean controversial is only just talking about birth control at all? Well, not so much talking or about birth, co- birth control at all. You know how a lot of parents just don't want you to even talk about it, pretend that it isn't sure. happening. Yeah. 
Okay. So that's when it becomes controversial. When you, you know, but I think you could use that as a home component. Should we shy away though from controversy like that? So like, let's flip it around and say uh, lots of parents disagree that um, the kids should be vaccinated. Should mm-hmm. we? Should we? And but we have pretty firm guidelines as to uh, the very uh, slim number of reasons why you can come to school without vaccinations. Should we take those concerns into account and treat them as equal as well too, and risk you know public health uh, crises in terms of like say a measles outbreak? Well, it's different with the measles outbreak and vaccinations. Everyone is being affected. Except that we're all being affected if we have a, uh, you know, say, uh, a teen pregnancy rate that is on the rise. You know, and, but we already have that. Yeah. And, you know, we right, already know, have but that. But having the sex education isn't going to make that change. Isn't going to change anything for the simple fact that children, once you give them the information, they do what they want with it. That's not true, though, because we have, just like you mentioned earlier, where statistics do, and I agree with you fully, bear out that, you know, the amount of time it takes for an English language learner to become proficient in English, we know full well, and there's a mountain of data that shows that exposure to uh, uh, fully fleshed out sex education does uh, change outcomes, which is why Massachusetts happens to be one of the few states that does have a very high rate of teen pregnancy and uh, STIs transmitted. I think it's us and, you know, it's usually like Alabama that we're there with. It's the handful of states that don't have comprehensive uh, sex ed where those become issues. Well, if you use that, um, if you use what they have in place, the frameworks, it will cover it. The comprehensive health uh, curriculum will cover that also. And maybe that will make a difference. Hmm. I mean, I, I just feel like kids today, they're all about... <laughs> They want to do what they want to do, regardless of how much information you give them. They just happen. They go and do what you have said not to do. Oh, kids have always done that. That's right, not kids exactly. today. That's, that's, that's humans. That's human beings. <laughs> that's human nature, right? And my dog. So it isn't going to change. I, change I, I just feel personally. But if you have statistics that says definitely, so yeah. that's something that we need to explore and we need to do. Yeah. Because statistics make the difference. Yeah, no, totally. I think the research is what's that, important. Yeah. If you have that research that says that makes a difference, that tells us that we need to be moving in that direction. Right. Tell me about one of your favorite school teachers. Mrs. Edwards. She was my third grade school teacher, and she was very, very positive and very um, encouraging. Mm -hmm. She always had a positive thing to say, always encouraging you that you can do it, don't give up, keep trying, and uh, the stick to itness I got from her. This is back in North Carolina. Yes, it was. How did how did how do you feel like the 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 schools that you went to as a kid stacked up against the Worcester schools that you taught at? Um, I think they stacked up equally. Um, the only difference, um, which everyone is talking about, having people of your color and your culture in front of you. Yeah. I had that. I had all black teachers. I had all black superintendents and you know, principals, even the cafeteria and janitors. They were all minorities. You know, they yeah. were black. So I, it, it makes a difference. But um, it also is the individual person. Yeah. You know, you have to have that, that you want to make a difference in your own life, regardless to who is in front of you. You have to say, I want to learn this. I'm going to do this. And you have to have that kind of mindset, too. Yeah. What was it that set you off on the path to becoming a teacher? I think what's um, a lot of different things. I have a lot of teachers in my family. And they were very encouraging about, you know, becoming a teacher. That was number one. Um, and also, too, I wanted to make a change um, in the system. I wanted to make sure that children are treated fairly and all children should receive 
an equal education. And sometimes I've, you know, had seen, you know, as a young girl or young child, you do see that children that cannot learn at the capacity that you can are pushed aside Mm. or not given the opportunities that other children are. And I felt like, you know, being a teacher, I will make sure that these kids leave with the education that they need. And did you feel like you had the freedom to make that happen? When oh, you were definitely, teaching? definitely, definitely had the freedom to make that happen. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What did you do after you uh, stopped teaching in the public schools? Nothing. <laughs> I retired. <laughs> I retired for real. Good for I you. did nothing. <laughs> I actually sat down and chilled, and then you know, like I said, started to see the controversy and the things that were not being was not right, and decided to run for school committee. Brendan Malkin, any questions? I do, yeah, no, because you touched on something I think is is huge that, Mm -hmm. and we've talked, I think, with a handful of candidates, and then also we've been talking for quite some time, or at least I talk and Mike listens, um, about, you know, the the teaching, the the, the population of teachers actually reflecting the demographics of the students that they're teaching, which is Mm -hmm. clearly something the city of Worcester needs to work on, Mm -hmm. but it's also something that I think it's easy in real time to say this is a problem, and we're right, acknowledging the problem, but it takes time to change that, right? So, I mean, you need... A, just the hiring process alone, right? Or, or right. cultivating a generation of teachers that are from the local area or whatnot that better reflect the city's... De- Do you have any thoughts on how we start... If we were to start today uh, with an actual plan, like how, how do we best start to change the demographics so that the teachers do better reflect the student body? Well, I think the first problem that you... It, it, we don't have a lot of minority teachers in Worcester. Yeah, yeah, that's that what I mean. We like, where do we start... From. I think we would have to go outside of Worcester to start looking because we really don't have it. I mean, when I went to Worcester State, to be honest with you, I was the only black in my early childhood um, component for four years. Wow. And I saw that even when I was in Worcester Public Schools, you know, so we need to look outside of Worcester. We really have to. I feel like we had this conversation 10, 15, probably 15 to 20 years ago now about the police department. Oh, we had right? it about was about teachers too. Do, totally, mm-hmm. but I mean, but in terms of the police department, it's yeah. changed. Now you look at younger faces that are joining the police department. I think it does. It is starting to like very heavily reflect the city as a whole. It is for whatever reason. It seems like when it comes to the public sector, fire department and teachers, it hasn't changed at all. Mm. And it's I. Yeah, I mean, I can't figure out what we did right when it came to the police department that we're we're struggling with and sliding behind on when it comes to educators, the fire department, whatever. I mean, because it, it, it might be a completely different conversation to have. But when it comes to educators, the demographics in the classroom are changing so rapidly. And there doesn't seem to be, it's something that's, it, like you said, 20 years ago, we mm-hmm. were having the conversation, mm-hmm. but nobody's exactly. really done anything about it. It's Exactly. They, that's the whole thing. They haven't done anything yeah. about it. It's been a conversation too long. We need to reach out and start actively looking. Um, I think it's Mr. O'Connell. He wants a new person, a diversity cultural affairs person yeah. at, at DAB. We don't need that. The school mm-hmm. committee needs to take charge and start looking for the people that they need. Go out and look for them and interview. And the yeah. school, I think the school committee needs to take charge of that. We're always creating jobs at DAB and using the money in another way when we could put yeah. it back into the schools and use it for the students. You know, I want to say I agree with you so strongly on that. I feel like, like I, you know, I really think that these issues of like, again, like diversity or whatever are imp- really important things for us to resolve. And that so much of the time, somebody's solution is, well, we're going to hire a vice president of whatever. <laughs> and I feel like this is another thing I want, I want to be like Brendan on site statistics. I think this usually doesn't, like, 
isn't actually an effective way to do it. It's like if the people, if the vice, if you have, if you have one vice president who cares about this, that's great. But you really, you really need is you need a president or a school committee who really care about it, exactly. and then they'll make it happen, whether or not they have a vice president of diversity. And I, I would be fascinated to see. Maybe someday, you know, we'll have to do a records request, Mike, right? Because this is one of those things that, like, I'm sure if you ask the administration or the HR department, they would turn around and say, well, every year we do a recruitment drive. But that's also the same way we joke, like, whenever we have a city manager, right? It's going to be like an intergalactic search. And it just ends up being the guy who lived down the street or <laughs> right, working exactly. the office over. Even if down the street, if not just next door. Like, I would be, f like, how In many... In your spare room. If we had to, if we we're going to bet right now, the three of us, so we'll call yes. it like a $1 bet. How much recruitment do you think has been done specifically within black student unions across the, the, the country over the last 10 years for teachers? Like Not very much. The pools, the populations that you would say, like, this is exactly where I'm going to send this notice that we're hiring teachers too because there are qualified people that meet the demographics that we're looking for like how many uh, recruitment notices have been sent down to higher education institutions in Puerto Rico right like or any place that's Spanish speaking right? like predominantly like and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I would bet that if I were to, to, to say that hasn't happened I would collect a dollar bill from each of you uh, you would <laughs> I don't know. you would because I've been in it I know that it has not happened uh, when Stacy so right? was uh, the human resource person, so yes. she went out and she really looked around the yeah. city. She really went around looking, you know, not, that knocking on doors kind of thing. But I haven't seen it since she's left. Mm. Not at all. Mm. Not at all. And even your it's experience, like, I mean, if, if you can tell <laughs> us that when you were a child growing up that the majority of your teachers were black, like I don't know. Let's send. Let's uh, let's just get a, a a mimeograph and we'll post it on a telephone pole down where in North Carolina where you're from, right? Like we know that there's qualified teachers down there. <laughs> exactly. We're probably paying more up here. Well, let's get a bunch of young teachers to move it. Like I, I don't know. I can't I, figure out why this is such a challenging thing that like you both said we're, we're going to hire you know a vice president of intergalactic diversity or whatnot, and we'll put them down at the Durkin Building, and everything will be better in forty years. Like I would just hire a bunch of teachers next year. They'll look more like the kids they're teaching now. I think why it's a problem because we don't look outside of Worcester. Mm. That seems to be a real issue. If you're not from here, you don't have this place best interests at heart. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that feeling. I've, Mike's I, not from here. He's I'm not from here. I've lived here for 20 years. So but that's what they <laughs> felt about Dr. Boom. Yeah, totally. She yeah, wasn't oh, from yeah. here, so oh, she yeah. didn't have. Massachusetts' best interests at heart, but I'm not from here. Mm -hmm. But I had the kids' best interests at heart. I mm -hmm. loved those children, and I wanted them to succeed, and I wanted their families to have the best that they could. It's for it's the services that we provided, and it didn't matter what state I came from. Yeah, yeah. And to her credit, I mean, Dr. Boone was talking about a lot of issues that we're actually talking about right now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and we exactly. just, for whatever reason, the city of Worcester wasn't either ready to have those conversations when she came here or wasn't ready to hear them from somebody who wasn't from Worcester, whatever the case may be. Um, or maybe we're just a bunch of racists. I'll, I'll be the one to say that, right? Like, I mean, it could be that I too. Know. I don't know. I think they just no, weren't but, ready. And that's, whatever. Um <laughs> But I mean, it's crazy to think that like, you know, Dr. Boone was essentially shown the door on day one. And yet here we are having a pretty significant round of conversations since she's been gone that all seem to circle around the very topics that she was discussing at that time. But what do I know? Yeah, exactly. Br Brendan, what public records request 
were you suggesting that we should do, by the way? No, I'm just saying, I think that it would, it, so when it comes to recruitment of teachers, yeah. I, oh, it would be okay. interesting to see, there must be some record of, of outside the city of Worcester where those recruitment notices are going, right? Like that shouldn't be a hard thing to track down if, uh, are we, is there somebody in human resources that's posting to the North Carolina version of Indeed or Craigslist? Like, I don't know, like, is, what's the, what is the, the list of contacts, again, in all the black student unions around the country that like are, every year, we know that's a, I think there's like one white kid in, in all of the black student unions in one of the schools down south, right? Like, okay. it, it, if we're talking about diversity, that's probably easy places to look, right? Like, we don't, exactly. but around here, to your point, I mean, when it comes to higher ed, we're still a, a pretty white city, right? Exactly. So if we're if we are if we're focusing predominantly our, our recruitment predominantly on Worcester or adjacent, we're not going to see any improvement. But we've got a pretty high quality of life uh, in, in you know in earnings potential up here, especially in education in Worcester. I would be shocked if we couldn't find ways to convince people that it was worth their while to come up here and teach. And it doesn't have to be through, you know, like the, the Teach for America programs or what, just people who are graduating college and are qualified to be teachers. Like, exactly. They have to be out there, Mike. There's good to guess. I like this. I'm glad that we have, I'm glad that we've set some goals for ourselves. Yeah. Is, do you think we, do you think we can put a public, I guess you probably, probably can't, couldn't put a request in with the police saying, tell me about your great success in diversity no, hiring. So here's the difference. And, and this is where I think it is important to be fair and why I keep mentioning the BSUs, right? Because when it comes to law enforcement, the bar for entry is actually low. And that's not a knock against law enforcement, but you just have to have a GED or a high school education to become a police officer. There's, there's, there's less There training. is no higher ed okay. uh, component there. So when it comes to being a teacher in Massachusetts, our standards are very high. So we're at a minimum talking about people who have a bachelor's degree and, can, and are eligible for a waiver before they start working on their master's degree and whatnot. Yeah. There's certifications that are involved. So it, it is a challenging process in the sense that we need to be able to, but the point is you can have that, that, that bachelor's degree and there are ways to work within the system so that you can show that you're seeking your certification. Exactly. I would be curious how, we're, how, how helpful we're being in opening the door to people to realize that that is an opportunity that's there. When it comes to police and fire, exactly. you just have to graduate high school. And so the turnaround, so the turnaround time is, so if you get a motivated person, you can be like, all right, within a couple of years, you could probably be a cop or something. But if you have a motivated person to become a teacher in Worcester, it's like, well, you, hang on, it's going to take a while. You're going to have to go to you're going to have to go to college, and you're going to have to be focused on a master's degree, and you're going to have to be focused on those certifications and it's, a specialty. But. Exactly, but you are what he, from to what he's saying, you're going to choose a person that already has a right. four year degree. So all they're going to need is to take the MTEL, okay, and right. to get the uh, the master's degree, which they allow you time for both, okay, the MTEL and that. And us as the school committee can put things in place to help them. To, you know, have a tutoring session for Intel so that they can go to a tutoring session so sure. we can move them forward. We could say, um, if you come, we'll give you an extra year. We have to think of some incentive to get them here mm -hmm. so that we can move forward with it. I mean, if we just sit back and say, oh, well, they're not coming, that's never going to happen. Yeah, We have to get out there and make that conscious effort to get it to happen. Yeah. And similarly, while Worcester doesn't have residency requirements for public employees, uh, the point of entry for public safety does have an, a residency requirement attached to it. So you have to be a resident of Worcester to go through the application process, okay. not to be an employee, just to go through the application process. So it would make sense that especially since you're able to look at the city as a whole, anyone that has a, a high school education, that we would now be seen entering a point where 
the say the police department, uh, new recruits are starting to better reflect the city because yeah. you're looking at a slightly younger demographic. I mean, you can be 18, 20, 21, I guess, is, is where you're really starting to see recruits. So whether it be people coming out of the military or people who just stayed in Worcester, it's going to, ref- it's going to slowly begin to reflect the city as that demographic shift uh, happens in that younger generation. Teachers, again, it's just a little bit harder, I think, to get them through the door but not hard in the way that it's impossible. Exactly. You just need to be able to make just sure you're looking to, in the right places. Exactly. <laughs> and you need to just be diligent to yeah. doing it. You know, and if you, <laughs> I don't mean any harm, but if you look at the school committee itself, mm-hmm. it's not reflective of the, demograph- the demographics of the school. It's re- reflective uh, of the demographics of the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. is. It definitely <laughs> is. And that's you what know, we're saying. You know, I, I have to say, I... Uh, Whenever this election campaign was just sort of starting up, I feel like the big story was like, oh, look at all these challengers running for school committee. This is crazy. I mean, when there's basically like as many challengers as there are seats, but mm-hmm. somehow, oh, this is so crazy that yeah. there's as many people running as there are seats. Um, but I feel like the real story is like when I look at the demographics of all the candidates for school committee and uh, and uh, city council, when I look at them demographically, when I look at people, where people are at politically, if I was to say, I mean, there's always plenty of people who are outliers who are running for these races, but I feel like overall, if you take an average of people's demographics, an average of people's politics, it's pretty close to the status quo of the, the, like the challenger's average is pretty similar to the incumbent's average. And this is an election where it's like way different in yeah, my mind. It is. No, and I think that's, I mean, so, and you and I could could sit here for an hour and bicker over the finer details of, you know, uh, sex ed versus a health program, but it's mostly irrelevant at the end of the day, right? Because I think the one thing we'd both agree on is that that is there and the data shows, you know, a change in outcomes. That's what either both of us would, would, would like to see. Exactly. But then there's this whole other pool of stuff that again, because I think the, the committee has long been reflective of the makeup of maybe the teachers more than the students, there's this whole pool of conversations that, again, we're only starting to discuss, it seems, in a post-Boon era. Um, that are, can we, <laughs> That's a good way to, call, to yeah, talk about it. In our post-Boon reality. We, we're, we, but these are the things that we should have been talking about a very long time ago, right? This is not, and I think all of us are aware of that, and regardless of age, regardless of where you, whether you're from Worcester or not, something tells me, deep down, unless you are in some really, really awful fringe component of American society, you realize that these are conversations that we should have been having all along, and we've put them off. And now they're, it's kind of neat to me whether or not all these challengers have, all these, I did it too, all these challengers, like there's millions of them, whether or not the challengers, um, you know, have enough uh, to start picking away seats is yet, yet to be seen. But the important thing is the conversations are actually public now. And we're not just talking, we're not knocking on doors, uh, determining whether or not you're going to be friendlier to the teachers union or the students. We're actually having some pretty nuanced conversations about everything from comprehensive sex ed, uh, to the demographic makeup of teachers, to how, like, questions we're asking, like the discipline of students, exactly. right? Which differs wildly depend, depending upon every aspect of a socioeconomic bracket, right? Like, the, the people's feelings about that all over the map. And it's, man, it, I don't know, maybe we waited too long uh, if we're only getting this going in 2019, but thank goodness we're actually having that conversation. It's never finally. too late. <laughs> 
Well, what's the saying? Like the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, but at the same time, it is a little bit disheartening because this is, this is all conversation that has been, especially where education is concerned, has been bubbling under the surface, at least since I was in public school, which ended in the early nineties. I agree. You know, it's about time to wrap up the show, but I want to thank you for coming on because I feel like you have me excited about, legitimately excited about or at least agitated about education policy for the first time in my life. So good job. <laughs> um, Thank you and I want, to, I, want to, I want to give you the final word. Any more thoughts? Um, Thank you for having me first. Yeah. Um, the final thoughts, um, I just want everybody to go out September 10th and vote for Hermione McConnor. Um, and I want everybody to think, think about what do you want to change? So when you go out and vote, you don't want to vote the way you usually voted because I know this person or he's a friend of mine. You want to make change for everybody in the city. So in order for that to happen, listen to what the candidates are saying. If they're making change, if they're doing what you would like to see happen, then you know that this is the candidate that you want to vote. Good luck. Everybody should do that. Thanks for being with us.